This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome, kia ora, to the AA Live radio show. Great to have you here with us this evening. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through the Alcoholics Anonymous program. I am happy to be here this evening. Folks, I hope you're surviving that terrible weather that's going across the country. It's been snowing here. It's been quite fun to uh, see it flittering around, but uh, I hope everybody is keeping warm and safe out there today. Alcoholics Anonymous, it's a service which involves recovering alcoholics, supporting other alcoholics that want to stop drinking. We work together through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. When you come along to your first meeting, you will discover we start with the serenity prayer. So I'm going to start there this evening. So please join me if you feel you'd like to. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for joining me on that. I'm also going to read you the preamble uh, of AA. We read this at each meeting after the serenity period, and it's a little bit like a mission statement. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help others, other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thank you very much folks and I would like to just say that the opinions you hear this evening, they are just that. They're my opinions. They are the opinions of our guests. They are not the opinions of a Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole necessarily. So uh, let's get ourselves started. You are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Well, spring is already in the air. I can't get over how fast this year is going. It has been crazy. I've been noticing loads of blossom out there and the birds have been singing happily where I live. So that's been wonderful. I hope you are all taking some time to stop and have a listen to that as well. And note the uh, possible four seasons in one day that we are having. With spring, in the beginning of September, comes our step nine. Uh, And 
to explain that a little bit more, I'm going to read to you our, uh, our basic level of it. Our step nine is we made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So that'll give you just a little bit of an understanding as to where our daily reflection is going today. So here we are, folks, on the September 6th, removing threats to sobriety, except when to do so would injure them or others. That's from Alcoholics Anonymous, page 59. Step nine restores in me a feeling of belonging, not only to the human race, but also to the everyday world. First, the step makes me leave the safety of AA so that I may deal with non-AA people out there, on their terms, not mine. It is a frightening but necessary action if I am to get back into life. Second, step nine allows me to remove threats to my sobriety by healing my past relationships. Step nine points the way to a more serene sobriety by letting me clear away past records wreckage, sorry, lest it bring me down. That's a good reading for me. It's uh, out there, it's, uh, how do I say this? It makes me realise the damage that I've done and that I can fix it, I suppose. That's sort of where I'm coming from. I'm sure you may all have your own thoughts about it yourselves. We are going to put a song on next and this song has actually been chosen by a person who I love very much uh, and he is going for it today with a bit of Queen's Greatest Hits, Another One Bites the Dust.
song we've been tapping our feet in here and would you believe we've been talking about minecraft don't ask folks don't ask there's been dogs dying and all sorts apparently this last month i have been thinking a little bit about what made me go to my first AA meeting. Uh, and there's been a little bit of discussion with other with other friends in the in the fellowship about this as well. And it made me have a have a good think about it. What was it I understood about AA before I walked in? Was AA for me? Uh, and so this came across in my mind a couple of days ago. So I just sat down with my phone and I had a listen, a read. I had a talk, uh, and uh, I'm going to play that for you now. I hope you enjoy it, and it gives a little bit of enlightenment somewhere along the line. You might ask yourself, is AA for me? Uh, this is actually something only you can answer. Personally, for myself, I walked into AA purely out of desperation. I knew nothing of AA except the little ad that I had seen in the local paper uh, and that it was possibly a bit of a God job which for me was a, a black mark. Uh, I wasn't into churches or anything, never been a churchgoer uh, and, and I saw that as a negative. Um, so I, I understand my desperation was really what put me in there. Um, my drinking had complete control of my life. And when I say that, I mean I would start my days saying to myself, I am not going to drink today. But by oh, midday at least, I would be planning on how I was going to get it, which bottle store I was going to go to, uh, what funds I would get, what card would I use, how would I get it. Um, I had made promises uh, not to drink to people, but I couldn't get past a day. Um, it was it was too much. Uh, I had blackouts. Uh, strangely, this was something I learnt in AA. Actually, it's a simple thing, really, but it was <laughs> um, not something that I recognised. And you would think that you would recognise blackouts, but it was as simple as you know. I'd be sitting watching TV, drinking. And I would remember the end of the show, but not 
the middle part and I would just think, oh, maybe I'd fallen asleep. It turns out, yeah, that, I mean, that's a blackout. Um, I would find food in the microwave or the oven, uh, stuff that I meant to serve up for dinner, but I had not got to. I didn't find them for the next till the next day, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I would forget that I had made plans with people while I was while I was drinking. I I would let down my my family, my friends, um, and I would find out from them what I had said I would organise with them. Not because I remembered, but because they mentioned it to me. Uh, my hands constantly had a shake. Uh, I was lying to people, I was lying to myself even, I was hiding my drinking, uh, if I thought I couldn't get through the day without a drink, um, I would take pain meds, uh, just to, to knock the edge off my day for me, um, and still I thought I wasn't an alcoholic. Um, you know, all these things. I was embarrassed about my recycling bin. I would lose my patience with my family. Uh, I had already been through a cycle of trying different drinks. I, I even went down the line of um, non-alcohol varieties of beer and wine. Uh, and, of course, uh, my my alcoholic brain said to me, well, what's the point of those? So <laughs> they didn't last long, although I admit I did think very highly of myself while I was drinking them. You know, I made sure I told lots of people, oh, I'm trying this non-alcohol drink and blah, blah. And I remember doing a Christmas on it once and just feeling so empty. Um, it was crazy, you know, and... and trying different drinks yeah by the time I walked into AA I was a true champion of vodka and wine uh not any particular type of wine but just wine uh reds whites bubbles anything um yeah I had missed days at work for drinking uh and saying that though I used to have a, a saying to my staff if you do the crime you do the time and so I really was quite high. I was a high-functioning alcoholic. Uh, I would still make it to work. I would still operate everything. You know, I would finish drinking at, at four in the morning and still get to work at seven, eight o'clock in the morning and get through the day, obviously with some help from those pain meds when it was really bad. But, yeah, it was... Um, it would have to be pretty extreme for me missing work, although I have got a terrible tale of uh, a week where I faked an injury so I could just continue partying. Um, anyway, my brain told me that, yeah, I could work in that state. Um, when I look back at it now, I couldn't. Um, I had a terrible fear of how I could possibly live without drinking. Um, that held me back from stopping for years. I was frightened to live without drinking. I couldn't possibly see how I could, could do it. Um, I did give up once for three years because I had to. It was a health 
everything and I had to and that whole time I knew I could start again so you know it was it's what got me through I recall kidding myself for a while that um, maybe I could live without drinking permanently yeah if I could do this this three years surely I could continue but boy when I picked up that first drink again uh, that was it for me I was in I did it what I thought was slowly but um, I have to admit to everybody it wasn't slowly um, I've since learnt too through AA that I was a dry drunk uh, I still had and what I mean by that is I still had the same traits as I had when I was drinking I just didn't have a drink it was completely insane um, but when I walked into my first meeting oh my gosh I was sweating buckets <laughs> I was last to enter the room so I didn't need to talk to anyone I was worried about who would see me uh, it was being held in the back hall of a church that I had a relative that went to this church oh, I was petrified she was going to see me uh, I just figured I would go in and check it out, see what it was about. I, I, not once did I think I would return. I was purely going in there to get some tips, some, some pointers on how to get things under control. That I still did not have a vision of giving up drinking. So I walked into that first meeting yeah, shaking hands, people were so kind to me, uh, they offered me tea and coffee, which I instantly said thanks, but no thanks, because my hands were shaking so much, I didn't want them to see the cup, um, not once did I think to myself, these people have been where I've been, not once did that come into my thoughts, uh, but it was when the sharing started, uh, when they started sharing, I suddenly recognised the similarities that I had with these people. They were telling my story. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I honestly thought I was alone in this world, that I was just going insane, that I I was the only one going through this, this battle, this daily battle. Um. It was an amazing experience to meet my people. Uh, and when I say my people, you know, these people understood where I came from, what I was, what was happening on in my life. Um, and they understood my desperation. They were so kind. They were just so kind to me. And I remember at the end of the meeting, I made all sorts of excuses about how was I possibly going to find the time to come back uh, you know, life would be in the way, and oh, I had this and that on, and the woman in that room was so kind and gentle with me, they gave me phone numbers, and they said, keep coming back, uh, and I just, there was just something, I, I don't know what it was, I still haven't quite, it was the similarities, I think, you know, I really recognised myself in these people, um, that I did go back, um, and you know I've heard that said so many times, and I say it to people now: just keep coming back, and I did, and I have now been almost three years sober. I haven't 
had a drink. Um, I can say today I've not had a drink since the first day I walked in there. I never, ever, ever thought that that would be the case. Uh, yeah, I live by the mantra of I'm not picking up the first drink. I have learnt that for myself I have this addiction that when I have that first drink, it's uh, the first one leads to, and <laughs> couldn't even name how many. <laughs> it doesn't stop at one for me. It just can't. Um, so I've learned that uh, that insatiable craving comes over me when I have a drink, and um, so I just don't pick up the first one, and I live one day at a time. Um, I go to meetings three times a week. At the beginning, I was doing five, sometimes six meetings a week. I listen to podcasts. I talk to people. You know, when I first got those women's phone numbers, that first meeting, I never rang anybody. Uh, but I do now. <laughs> and I got myself a sponsor. And she is a wonderful, wonderful woman who's been where I've been. And we can talk really openly and honestly about our experiences and uh, yeah she's a very special friend and they say when you first go in go every day for 90 days I just couldn't fit that in uh, with my family life so yeah I, I did five or six I would weirdly find myself saying that serenity prayer um, the interesting thing for me and my discovery for me, AA is not about, um, it's not a God job. <laughs> um, not as I understood it anyway, not from a church. It is a spiritual program though, and for me, uh, that is my higher power. I won't share what or who that is, as each person's higher power is different. But I have moments of peace now. I do not live in drama. I have a really beautiful balanced life things come up uh, there are struggles I have been living with uh, long COVID now for a few months and you know that's really hard but I'm not picking up over it uh, I am getting on with life um, one I never thought I could have you know, I, I actually fear picking up that first drink, so um, I won't do it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You know, that's so strange that before I walked into AA, I never thought I could live without the drink. Um, now I fear picking up. Um, I don't want to return to the insanity I used to live in. Uh, I like to keep it simple. I like to be willing, uh, honest go to meetings and I soak in the power of the rooms uh, and my friends in the fellowship. Really, I have my ears switched on every day and I'm learning about myself. Uh, and actually, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, it's not as bad as I thought it was. So, yeah, is AA for you? Only you can decide, but I have to say it can be hard work. But the journey for myself, for my family, for my friends has been worth every bit of it. Uh, the life I have today, like I say, is 
a life I didn't think even existed for me. So I feel truly blessed today and I thank you for letting me chat to you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. It was just a bunch of stuff that was floating through my head and I decided to record it at the time. <laughs> so maybe it'll make sense. Maybe it'll get somebody out there and, and they'll be thinking, yeah, that was me. We're going to go on to a song that gets played very loudly in our car. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, we've got a bit of Gin Wigmore. She's always a fan in our house. A bit of Blood to Bone. This is her song, New Rush.
Oh, there is nothing quite like a bit of gin wig more. Do love that. You are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. If you're listening online, please jump on the ORFM website to find our podcast. There's lots of shows on there that you can have a listen to. Now, at AA, we have, or we used to have, I should say, we used to have a magazine called Mainstay. And it was something that we would send out uh, every couple of months. People would write letters in with their experiences. It would tell us what was happening around the country with uh, get-togethers and so forth. And as we're talking about going into AA meetings and is AA for us, etc., I found a couple of letters that I just wanted to share with you that I thought sort of covered some of the things. So this is a letter that came from our mainstay in 2018, uh, in spring of 2018. So there we go, we are going with a theme this evening. This is called Take It Easy. An old timer in my fellowship also writes a letter to mainstay on her sobriety birthday every year. And hearing her mention this again recently made me think of doing the same. It's my third sobriety birthday in a few weeks and I still find it hard to believe that I'm almost three years without a drink. There was a time, particularly in the last nine months before my rock bottom, when I found it hard to wash the dishes or do my laundry without first taking a swig from a bottle of wine. In fact, I used to take the bottle into the shower with me. On those days, I actually decided to have a shower. I turned 40 this year, and instead of the crazy, drinking-fuelled party I would have had for my 21st or 30th birthdays, I spent it with someone I love, eating nice food, waking up without a hangover, and taking it easy. It was lovely. However, it's not been a pleasant few months since my 40th birthday. I might have put down the drink, but the self-obsession and desire to control the world is still there. I put a lot of pressure on myself to be someone, do something, have something, to my name. I get especially stressed when it comes to my work. As a newly sober woman over 40, I find myself wanting to do work that has meaning and to make a difference in the world. And I've been getting really irritated lately when things don't go my way. I tell myself that if I do X, then Y will happen. And it doesn't. And I get angry and depressed. And I notice that I am more likely to get physically run down and resentful towards others, particularly young women. I see as successes when I do this. Working a program allows me to take a step back and ask myself what I would tell a sponsee or someone in the fellowship if I saw them getting stressed and unwell like this. And I would tell them to take it easy, keep it simple, live and let live, and take it one day at a time. I would ask them to look at their fears and their character defects and to pray for them to be removed. On closer investigation, There is a lot of regret when I think back over the years I spent drinking and chasing unsuitable people, particularly in my 30s, time which could have been better spent on buying a house, getting married, 
writing a book and starting a family. But there is nothing to stop me aiming for those things now. It is only my fear of failure, my defects which hold me back. And it could be tempting to slip back into a feeling sorry for myself or telling myself that my life is half over and what's the point and that at least today I could be much more interesting and less afraid with a drink in my hand. And it's quite likely I would. But then I'd have to ask myself what I'd be sacrificing to be interesting to people who, if they really cared about me, wouldn't require me to drink myself into being of interest to them. Sobriety is painful if you don't take daily action. Even if you are on the right track, you will get run over if you just sit there. It's at times like these that I need to turn my will and my life over to my higher power and accept that I cannot change the past, but I can change my attitude towards my present circumstances. I can get up and do a good day's work, irrespective of whether the outcome is in my favour or not. I can be there for those I love, and I can still give what I can to be of service to others. I'd just like to thank Grace for that letter. I read that uh, yesterday and um, I've read it a few times now and I, uh, yeah, t- it touched my story, it touched me. And that's one of the things about Alcoholics Anonymous. Other people's experiences help those that have first come into the room or even if you've been in the room for years. Having the willingness to listen and pick up what strength is being said in the rooms really does help us. The next letter I'd like to read to you today is called One Day at a Time. This also is an interesting one. My name is Rob and I am an alcoholic. I am reminded when taking 12-step work how beautifully simple and effective our program is, especially the concept of one day at a time. My home groups study the big book, The meeting is currently reading and studying the chapter, Working with Others, from the big book. I'm not sure if I've explained the big book to you folks, but that is a book that we use uh, to go through our steps and we learn from other people's experiences. It's a very good book. Anyway, let me go on with this letter, sorry. Working with Others from the big book. And it is very helpful to be reminded again that the original 100 members gave us a step-by-step user's manual on how to treat and communicate with the newcomer. The one day at a time concept is especially useful as most of us can handle staying sober for just one day. Today, it is also more than achievable to grasp the idea of not concerning ourselves with the questions of how I am going to cope with Christmas and birthdays and weekends and family gatherings till that actual occasion arises. We are then pleasantly surprised that in reality these events can be coped with easily with the help of a good sponsor's advice and useful tips like escape routes and qualifying whether we really need to be there or not. I found in my early days that my sponsor was invaluable and pointing out to me that Christmas 
was several months away and that we would deal with it then and that all I had to worry about was getting to bed that night without taking a drink. He was also very reassuring in telling me one day social events would not only be doable but more enjoyable with sobriety. He assured me relationships would be mended in due course and that again I didn't need to fix them today. So why not relax and enjoy what's in front of me at that given moment? I sponsor several sober men who are freshly off the drink and I use the one day at a time concept constantly. It is easy to grasp and once they do, they find that life is not your past nor your future but the here and now. How liberating. How many of us lived anywhere but today? The guilt, the remorse, the fear and self-pity would keep us depressed about the past and anxious about the future with no time for the blessings of today. I celebrated a birthday recently and I haven't, thank God, had to take a drink for many years but more than ever I choose to live my life one day at a time. Thank you, Rob, for that wonderful letter. I have enjoyed those. Now, I also caught up with one in the fellowship this week, and uh, here's his take on his introduction to AA. Yeah, well, you know, thinking about my first AA meeting, um, it's interesting. I, I mean, I sit down at current meetings and I watch from time to time, I guess, newcomers come into the rooms. And um, you can often see that they've been beaten up by this thing. Um, anxiety seems to be at the fore, remorse, perhaps over a behaviour uh, that's come out while, while drinking. Um, and they admit to themselves that they're alcoholic and you never see them again. And um, so that's got me thinking about my first meeting and... Um, if it's any consolation, and I don't think I'm alone, um, recovery for me hasn't been exactly uh, the, the great eureka moment and I fell into it. It's been a series of relapses. I think relapse uh, for most of us is part of the recovery cycle. Um, and so I've had at least three firsts going to AA, you know. Um, which is, you know, has been different each time. Um, the first, the first time I went to an AA meeting, uh, I think it was 1989. This is 88. Might have been the end, just the end of 1988. That's how far back I've been trying to deal with this disease um, or get a handle on it. Um, and I was, I guess, forced to go along to uh, this particular AA meeting in this town um, uh, from uh, the local police <laughs> because my behaviour as a teenager got out of hand and uh, instead of uh, prosecuting me uh, directly, they said, you have a choice, we want you to attend AA meetings um, or else we will charge you with da-da-da. Um, this particular issue was settled outside court um, and I went to my first AA meeting and I think back then uh, what struck me was 
uh, a lot of old people. I was very young. I would have been uh, 18, 17, 18. Um, and there was a lot of old people smoking. There was a smoking meeting back then. Um, and they, you know, they seemed down and out. And I said, well, you might be alcoholic, but I'm not. You know, it's just a bit of a bad run. Just in a bit of trouble at the moment, but I'll sort this out. I'm not like you people. Um, so I did what I had to do, and I jumped on a plane and moved towns. I went from literally one end of the country to the other. <laughs> um, and and uh, quickly forgot about my um, first um, AA meeting. He continued to drink. You know, youth was on my side. Still getting in trouble. Um, and it wasn't perhaps for uh, maybe 10 years later. It would have been 10 years that remorse had kicked in. I was having significant trouble in my primary relationships. Alcohol was at the centre of it all. Um, and out of remorse, I, in another town, remember going to my first AA meeting. In this particular meeting, uh, I remember fear. I remember it was summertime because the meeting started, I think, at half past seven, but it was daylight. Uh, and so it was summertime, and uh, I remember looking up and down the street. Um, the meeting was held in a, in a church building, um, as many are, and I remember looking up and down the street, just hoping no one would recognise me going in. You know, and you, I sit back today, you know, sober, you know, some years now, I'm laughing about that experience, but that's how fearful I was at confronting myself. I mean, who who in their right mind would be worried about a guy going into a building? Because that's how it looked to the rest of the world. Um, but for me, it was the end of the world. And uh, so fear was, a, and I remember shaking uh, and didn't say much the first meeting. Didn't want to admit that I'd seen um, AA before. Um I didn't want to admit failure, and that's what I thought it was. Um, uh, you know, and uh, I persevered uh, with um, sobriety. Uh, I thought I had got it, um, but had made an incredibly silly decision to work for a liquor company. <laughs> Thus goes the addictive mind. Eh? People warned me, but you couldn't tell me. Does that sound like anyone we know? Probably all of us. Um, and picked up my first drink. Um, you know, got caught up in the camaraderie and uh, the hospital side of things, as you do. And um, it wasn't long till I'd run away from AA again. Um, uh, and so probably the third relapse, or the third time, um, I was a captured man by this stage, and I was in my mid-40s. So we're talking from a guy who was 17, 18, now in his mid-40s. Um, but I, this time I was captured. I would spent time in hospital, many weeks in hospital, uh, through drinking, directly um, result of my drinking. Um, and uh, it was terrified I wasn't going to make it this time. Um, the fear was real this time. It wasn't just imaginary. It was a genuine thing. Uh, I didn't think I was going to make it. Um, and with the help of uh, AOD counsellors, I had attended uh, my first rehab. 
So I was virtually with, well, I had about a three week break in between. I think it was a three week, it wasn't long anyway, um, from getting out of hospital to going into rehab. And they even tried to get me in quicker because of uh, the file that they had on my particular, <laughs> my particular um, stint with alcoholism. And it was through rehab I was reintroduced to the fellowships again. Uh, again, no stranger, um, but I couldn't hide where I was. Uh, the local groups all knew the rehab uh, concerned and, and knew, you know, fondly, you know, welcomed us in. And it was there that I, I guess, with the support of rehab, that I was reintroduced to the fellowships. Um, and little by little, I knew, I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen next, but I knew I was in the right place and I really had to, um, I had to open my mind or at least try to with this thing. Um, and so uh, throughout that process, little by little, I started to share and share the, what I thought was failures about the relapses that I had, the disappearances, uh, like the people, so many people I see turn up to a meeting and go, I'm such and such and I'm an alcoholic, and then you never see them again, you know. Um, you know, I often think, uh, have they hit that magical cure that, that I've been seeking all my life, you know. Uh, but um, sadly, I, I, I realise that it's probably not that way at all. Um, but it was through the process of, of this time staying with AA and listening. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to share and come clean, I suppose, of what I perceived as failure. You know, and I felt silly because... As a grown man, you know, I, I'm not, I am intelligent, I have skills and that sort of thing, and yet with alcoholism I was absolutely powerless, rendered almost stupid, you know. I could not understand why I was so vulnerable, I guess, in this particular area where I had someone else and others, you know, um, and yet it seemed that way. Um, and so little by little I began to realise that, you know, it wasn't failure what I was experiencing in relapse. It was actually a Mark One, Mark Two version. Every time that I came back and tried sobriety, I was pushing against and fighting for my life. Um, and if I kept doing it, I was going to succeed at some point. And so, I guess the third major relapse and getting back on the horse and coming back into the rooms was my time. Um, you know, it was, it was, um, and, and through that process, like I said, I was able to see those versions of sobriety and quite clearly now look back and see me white knuckling it and, and seeing those decisions made with my alcoholic still sick brain, you know, which led me deeper into the rooms and the understanding of the step work. Because, you know, just because I give up drinking doesn't mean anything's going to change because it's my emotions and my thinking that creates my drinking, you know, so I've got to interrupt that somehow. And, and you know, what I find about the rooms are general wisdom that's offered by, by people experiencing the disease is, is tremendous. And I often go away going, you know what, I understand. And even as of today, in a conversation with somebody going, I really understand what you were talking about, you know, and I find that to be such a, a marvellous help. You know, uh, because on the, on the surface, alcoholism, uh, like most addiction, um, doesn't seem to play by the rules. It seems to tear down and, and, and destroy things almost senselessly at face value. Um, and yet, when you uh, really start to open your eyes, it does have a pattern. You can begin 
to actually work through it. Um, and so, you know, the, the rooms, I just come in and go, hi, everyone. I, you know, they say, g'day, you know, and I plonk myself down and it's kind of like home, you know. Um, you know, it's a long way from those days looking up and down the street to see if they, anyone would recognise me going to an AA meeting. Like the real kid, you know, right they'll go, yay, he's off to an AA meeting, well done, you know. But I, I you know, because I was so sick, I, I, I saw it the complete opposite, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I have a strong belief, and I think this is what happened too for me. The seeds were sown when I sat down in nineteen, you know, in late nineteen eighty-eight. When I sat down and looked around and looked at everything through my sick human eyes, and rejected what was on offer, those seeds were still being sown in those uh, from my presence, and I think um, it was from that very first meeting that allowed me to come home come home, you know, the ultimate prodigal son, you know, um, it was those seeds that were, were germinating and growing that would at some point always turn my compass towards an AA meeting knowing that I couldn't explain it but there was something in it that I needed to hear or know. Um, so, you know, that's my experience of the meetings and um, yeah, thanks for letting me um, share. Well, thank you so much for sharing that insight with us. I really enjoyed listening to that. Now, there are no membership fees to join AA. All you need is a want or even a curiosity on giving up drinking. Perhaps it's being at that place of desperation where I was (laughs) that you know you need to give it up. Come on in, sit in a meeting and start the journey with us. In Dunedin alone, we have 14 meetings a week, lunchtime and evening meetings, please check out the website aa.org.nz. There you'll find lists of meetings across the whole of New Zealand showing times and places. There are also Zoom meeting details on there if you're preferring to do a meeting from the privacy of your own home. If you need to reach out for help, please do not hesitate to call us on 0800 AA Works. Now that's across the country. You will get an operator on the other side who has lived in your shoes. Please give it a call. It's 0800 229 6757. Please call. We can give you give you some help or direct you into the right way. We also have a web address which is down here is called www.aaotago.nz if you want to get in touch, send us, an, send us a letter, anything like that. We are going to finish with a song this evening. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I've really enjoyed spending the evening with you. Take care of yourselves out there. Thank you for coming in and listening to the show. And I'd also like to put a thank you across to Spencer and Jeff who helped me produce the show. So Matiwa, everyone. Until next time. You know I'm back, like I never left. I never left. Another sprint, another step. Another step. Another day, another breath. Another breath. Been chasing dreams, but I never slept. I never slept. I got a new attitude than a lease on life is a peace of mind. Seeking to find I can sleep when I die. Want a piece of the pie, got the keys to the ride and shit. I'm straight. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Get up.
you die twice Once when they bury you in the grave And the second time is the last time that somebody mentions your name So when I leave here on this earth Did I take more than I gave? Did I look out for the people? Or did I do it all for fame? Legend is exodus Searching for euphoria Trudging through the mud to find the present No ignoring us Got 20,000 deep up in the street Like we some warriors My mama told me never bow your head Whoa. I feel This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.